Hello, and welcome to this podcast from Consider This. Please let me know what you think and tell others about us on social media. This podcast was originally broadcast live on Northumberland 89.7 FM. You can hear this show live every Friday at noon. Thank you for downloading this program, and I hope you enjoy it. Hello, I'm Robert Washburn, and welcome to Consider This Northumberland, a current affairs program dedicated to the issues facing our community. We talk to the people on the front lines and those behind the scenes who make a difference in your life in Northumberland County. So I'm asking you, the listener, to take some time out of your busy day to consider this. In the main hall in the Coburg Best Western, Mike and Ingrid Aird are sitting at a table taking notes. They are listening intently to an expert panel talk about protecting farmland in Northumberland County. They care deeply. The future of agriculture is very important to the family's farm located on Community Center Road, just east of Baltimore. They own what is called a farm-to-table operation. That means they raise beef, chicken, and turkeys, which they sell in a retail store on their property. They also sell eggs and other specialty items. Their approach is unique based on organic, sustainable methods that break many of the traditional norms. On today's show, you will hear about their farming practice, but more importantly, you will hear their concerns and why they are so interested in what the expert panel was saying about saving farmland in the county. I'm so pleased to have with me today Mike and Ingrid Aird, who operate Aired Family Farm. Welcome to Consider This Northumberland. Thank you. Thank you. Before we get into a lot of details, can you please give us just an overview of the Aired Family Farm? Well, we're on Community Center Road, just outside of Baltimore, about uh, six kilometers. Um, I'm the fifth generation uh, farmer on this farm. Uh, and my son, he lives here with us as well, so he'll be the sixth generation. Um <clears throat> We're taking our farm in a little bit different gener- uh, direction with our regenerative farming. So our mainstay is uh, black Angus beef cattle. Uh, and then we've also introduced uh, meat chickens. We have laying hens, uh, but we're doing everything regeneratively. So that's uh, that's the direction we're going. I'd like to ask you a little bit about what you mean by regenerative, because when I was reading your website, I saw you use the words natural and sustainable, and I'm curious as to what those three terms mean and how it impacts what you do. I I would say that in my own words, it would be when we say regenerative, it's like we rotate the animals through the land so that they don't deplete the microbes and the soil and the grasses. And uh, it just allows it to bounce back, even if we have a drought. They still grow. Um, we separate it. We have a, um, we moved into acreage. Uh, we have separate paddocks that we created and we rotate them through that and they come back to the first paddock about 30 to 40 days. Um, and so even if, like I said, even if we have a drought, uh, the microbes are doing their jobs. And so the grasses bounce back and the cattle has a lot of grasses to eat. How is that different um... Mike, from other operations that would be raising the same kind of livestock? Um, what, uh, like the way um, it's been done in the past, like they call it uh, conventional uh, uh, grazing, which means you just, if you have a 20 acre field, you just put the cattle out on the 20 acre field for the season. 
Um, what we're doing is we're taking that 20 acre field and dividing it into 10 paddocks or 12 paddocks. And then we put them on for so many days each to make sure that the grasses get a rest. Uh, when you're doing the conventional way, which is the 20 acres at one time, the cattle will go back to the same spots all the time because they find an area that they like. But what ends up happening is if it's say it's a clover or an alfalfa there, um, they eat it down until they, they basically kill it. Um, what the way we do it is uh, they'll, they will still eat that alfalfa or clover, but because we take them off of it, the clover has 30 days or 40 days to grow back. So that, that's the difference between um, a conventional way of doing it or a rotational way of doing it. And, and what's the advantage to doing that? Well, what happens then is that um, if you put your animals in the conventional way, um, they'll only get that alfalfa or um, clover or whatever it is that they, they're liking. They'll only get at a minimal. Then they'll have to push on to maybe like a weedy area that's maybe not as good quality. Whereas uh, when we do it, um, when we rotate away from that, they're going to have grasses, um, legumes, the alfalfa, like all, all, all the time. So um, because we're moving them, it's always growing back. So they're always getting that fresh alfalfa or clovers or whatever it is. Ingrid, you had something you wanted to add. The difference when you, you ask about how it to change with the market, like once we get it to market, the big difference is like, as you are aware, the cattle are ruminants. And so they are meant to eat grasses. And so by us providing them uh, the grasses, they help us and we help the cattle. They get the cattle becomes very healthy, uh, meaning that they don't get they don't get to um, we don't have to seek uh, a vet all the time because they're so healthy. Um, they're doing they're getting healthy, they're growing, and we're getting good omegas by having it 100 grass. One of the things you promote is the idea of farm to table. Now, what does that term farm to table mean for those listeners who may not understand? Who would like to answer so, that? Yeah, so farm to table is, so we grow it here on the farm and we sell it at our store. We have a store right here on the farm and we, we sell it right from the store. So um, we don't go out and uh, like to farmer's markets or anything like that. So um, when we sell it here on the, on the farm, they call that farm gate. Um, so... <clears throat> Not only are we farm to table, but we're farm gate too. So that way, when people come here, they have the opportunity to see our operation. Um, if they want to call us in advance for like a tour, we could we could do tours and stuff. But um, we don't do tours like spur of the moment, just for uh, like biosecurity reasons and stuff. So, um, but that's what uh, farm to table is: is we grow it here and then we sell it um, to the consumer right from our, our store. How does that work? No, we have to go to a licensed abattoir, which is uh, out in Roseneath. So we have to go to them for our, our beef. And then we also have to do uh, chickens. We have to go to a licensed abattoir for that as well. Now, my understanding is that you raise your cattle differently, as you've just described to us. But there's a particular way that you finish the cows. Can you walk us through that finishing process? You've talked about how it's different, but just the different stages, you know, maybe from calf to being market ready and how it is different, what you do, again, from the conventional way. So the most important things, as I mentioned, is like the cattle are ruminants. And so by us having a ruminant animal, they eat the grasses, the pasture legumes. 
And when they have calves, because we have a cow-calf operation, when they have a calf, that calf, it's already understanding that at a certain age, it's going to start eating legumes. And it can process it and digest it. So the cattle digest the legumes on the fourth stomach. And that's when they take the nutrients and the rest goes out. Um, by having it so that it's it's going on the pasture and they're eating the, the pasture legumes, the animal that we grow for beef is then separated from the mother at one is of age. And then it's moved to a different, uh, our other farm that we have where it's grown for beef. Uh, so the bull does not get any uh, connection with that with that son or daughter. It just gets moved out of the picture. And um, at that point, then they start eating the grasses. And it's it, it just gives you a better quality product at the end. Just mention winter. Uh, in the winter, we do uh, have give them our hay that we grow on the farm. We don't spray any of our, our land, so it's all natural, and that's when we refer to all natural sustainable. It's uh, Our land is completely clean, uh, and then when we grow our um, um, hay, the cattle doesn't have access to the, the hay fields. They have their, their pasture fields, and we have our hay fields, so we separate them as well. Um, so it's you end up with a really uh, good quality product at the end, that cattle has not been fed any grains, so therefore it doesn't get any sugars. And so that fat that you get from the grains does not have, it is not in, in the picture. You're not getting that omega-6s that are not good for us. You're getting only the omega-3s and very little omega-6s. It's my understanding in a conventional farm that uh, beef cattle, they graze in, as as Mike described, in these large fields, they, they eat, but then they bring them in at the end for a very short period of time and feed them grains. And, and that's what f fattens them up, gets them to size. Am I correct in that or am I misunderstanding the process? No, Mike? that's uh, that, that is the conventional way of doing it. Um, and that's what um, Ingrid's been explaining, like the, the cattle are ruminants. Um, so that what a ruminant is, is an animal that uh, can survive on grasses only. Their stomach can do that. Um, so there's not a lot of animals, like there, there is other ones, sheep, goats, deer, moose, they're all ruminant animals and um, they're meant to just eat grasses. So when you introduce a grain to that animal, what you're doing is it's like a carbohydrate to us, which turns into a sugar, which converts to fat. And so like you said, is uh, when they put those animals in those feedlots for the last period of uh, time, uh, they do get fatter. Well, um, we're not looking to fatten our animals up. What we want is to have a natural animal and how that animal ends up is what we end up as a, a product to sell at our store. Talk to me about chickens. I, I love the pictures of the chickens on your website. They're out in the grass and the, it looks like the grass is just about as tall as they are. And it made me laugh. They, they look like they're having fun now. Tell us about this and, and how you raise your chickens. So now the chickens, we do have to get the chickens from off farm. Uh, so we get them as day old chickens. Um, and then we raise them up inside the barn uh, for uh, three weeks. And that's so that they can get feathered out so that they can actually survive outside in the weather. Uh, and during that time when they're inside, they're getting uh, um, a starter feed, which is an organic starter feed that we get. Uh, once they get outside, um, they do forage uh, um, on the grass, as well as any bugs that they get or anything like that. But then they also have to be fed, because they aren't a ruminant, they have to be fed some grains. 
so that they can get their proteins and uh, calcium and everything else, the minerals they need. So while they're out on grass, they are fed a uh, supplemental um, organic feed. Um, and then we do put them on the grass and then daily we move them to fresh grass. So they're doing the same sort of thing as the uh, cattle. Um, they're eating down the, the um, grasses, leaving their manure behind to fertilize it. And then uh, we usually leave the chickens so that they don't uh, go on the same piece of grass for 60 days before we put them back on. So when we have some chickens, uh, when they go out, go off to the processor, uh, the next batch that we'll have in won't go on that prop or on that piece of uh, pasture, but the next one after that can go on there as long as it's 60 days after. Now, I understand, Ingrid, you have different types of chickens. You have some that lay eggs and then you have some that do meat. Can you tell us a little bit about the, the different chickens and how that's significant? And so we have the laying hens, which are the Rhode Island reds, uh, the, the sex, um, red sexlings. Red and I also have new ones that are um, azure blues and they lay blue eggs, they're blue eggers. Um, so they all, they, they pretty much are, uh, we get them when they're like ready to lay. And uh, we do have a cycle with them because they do stop producing eggs at a certain point. So nothing goes to waste. We have a, a uh, French bulldog that eats raw is in a raw, raw diet, and he enjoys those chickens. Uh, and then with the meat chickens, those are the ones that Mike's talking that where they get moved. Um, so the laying hens as well get moved. They go to fresh paddocks all the time as well. They get rotated every every two days. They get moved to a new piece of land paddock so that they get fresh grasses. Um, and again, they don't come back. We we follow the same principle with the chickens and the turkeys. Uh, they don't come back to the same paddock. Um, until this completely, um, it's been 60 days before they come back. Um, we just want to make sure that they are healthy because uh, when you have healthy healthy layers and we do supplement them with certified organic feed um, and um, we do have a local uh, a certified lonesome farms which they grow their own um, wheat and whatever. And then we get their, we buy it from them and we actually milling in our property as well for the laying hens and the meat chickens. You alluded to there as you were talking about raising turkeys. I understand that these are a crossbreed between wild and domestic. So we, we have the Orla bronze, which is a heritage bird. What it is, is like the mother is, um, it's, it was brought from England in the 1800s. And then the wild turkey, um, it was made with the wild turkey. So then that's how they created the Orla bronze. Um, so their meat, they're very similar to the wild turkey. They, they grow the same way. They've got um, bronze feathers and they're really pretty. Um, and they just produce excellent quality meat. Part of our conversation, you've talked about uh, having a store that people can come to on your property that uh, they can buy uh, meat, uh, et cetera. But I, there's also some other things that you sell beyond the meat. And one of the things that caught my eye was the pickling, that you actually have a family recipe that's been passed down. Tell me about this family recipe and these pickling, uh, these jars of pickles that you create. So we, um, they have been passed down and I can't tell you the recipe, oh. <laughs> but uh, it's a secret. I get, I've been told to swear not to give it away. Um, so we produce, uh, we get certified organic cucumbers. Sometimes we grow them. Sometimes we get them from a, a local um, grower that will grow them for us. Uh, and then we pickle them. 
we have uh, dill pickles, bread and butter. And then from that, I get the leftover and I make the relish. Um, and then uh, I also grow my own garlic and my own dill. So everything is from the farm. And then I'll just put it into the jars. And I also do uh, pickle beets. Pickle beans, depending on what I'm growing, um, asparagus in the early in the season, I'll do pickle asparagus. Um, so yeah, or pickle eggs, like if I have a lot of eggs and I want to use them, I I, I kind of reuse everything that I have on hand. Mike, you seem very transparent about all the things that you do. Why is that such an important principle as to how you run the farm? Well, it. Um, I don't. I don't even know how to answer that. But it's, um, I. I just feel that uh, being open like that is uh, um, makes the product that you're growing um, should make the person buying the product. I should say more secure in what you're doing because we have nothing to hide. So um, why not put it out there for everybody to see? That's. I, don't know. I, I actually hope hope people want to see because then they can actually know where the product's coming from and how it's being grown. So. You obviously focus very heavily on being organic and the sustainability. You've talked a lot about that in our conversation. Where did you encounter, Mike, these values and, and what drives you to keep them and, and to adhere to them? It's um, actually a, a, a kind of a neat uh, little story is about seven or eight years ago, uh, it was our son actually, before we, we had some cattle, we didn't have very many and he started telling us or talking to us about the ruminant and things like that. And so then we started talking about how, how we're eating, what we're growing. So it was just a long conversation with the family. And uh, once we started doing more research and we did a lot of uh, um, soul searching on that, and we just thought, well, there's no other way to do it. So um, it was uh, it was a family, family discussion that brought us into where we are now. And it's just been growing ever since. Uh, once we found out how good rotational grazing is and um, then not working the land, that's another part of the regenerative farm is that we don't work our land at all. If we want to add anything, we just overseed. So that just means you take it by hand, throw it out, um, or we feed it to the animals. And when the animals uh, drop their manure, it, the seeds are in the manure and it grows. So it was just it's just been an ongoing um, extension of one thing to another. So. I want to talk to each of you about your story. Now, Mike, let's start with you. What was it like growing up on the farm? Did you always want to be a farmer? Well, when I was young, it was uh, very, um, I'd, I'd say tough was because uh, you didn't have much many mechanical things. And um, we had a tractor, but then there was still like a lot of square bales to do. Today we use round bales, so it's much easier. Um, and we had a lot of animals back then, so it was a lot of work. Um, back then, I, I wasn't that interested, but as I was growing up, and, and saw the importance of it. I definitely wanted to come back. I did move away and that's where I met Ingrid and stuff. But, um, so I was off the farm for several years, going to college and then working and different things. But my my uh, thoughts were that I was gonna come back to the farm for sure. Didn't I didn't know what capacity at the time, but um, I'm very happy that I made that decision though. So when you were away, what kinds of things did you do? What kind of career did you have? I was uh, in security um, my entire Career. So I worked at some hotels, I worked at casinos, and uh, my last part was uh, at uh, Ontario Power Generation. And how long ago did you come back to the farm and start uh, doing the farming again? Well, we, we built our house here on an acre lot on the farm, 
uh, 18 years ago. Um, so I started helping my dad at that time, but like starting helping him again with what he was doing. And then uh, Ingrid and I actually took over the farm seven years ago. Ingrid, how about you? Where, where, did, where did you grow up and, and did you always want to be a farmer? I know. <laughs> I was actually, um, I grew up in the city. Uh, I met Mike in the city. Um, I am actually a uh, travel agent. And I do conventions and uh, group departures and all kinds of things. Um, so I, travel and conventions being my forte, and that's what I went to school for. Um, but when I met Mike and I started understanding about the animals, I got involved with the animals. I got involved with the chickens, and um, I kind of looked after them. And I was uh, very interested on, uh, on their health and what we were eating. And start investigating more about uh, what's in the food, um, and we wanted to eat healthier. So um, I really got involved a lot. So I do both now. I do the farm and I do travel. You recently uh, attended a forum on protecting farmland in Northumberland. Uh, I'll start with you, Mike. What were some of the takeaways that you had in listening to the, at that forum? Oh, there, there, there's definitely a lot of. Uh... Uh, a lot of uh, high high conversations going on there, which was really interesting to us. But uh, a lot of the, uh, um, one thing that I thought was kind of neat was the land trust. Um, we, we've actually got a neighbor here that uh, put some of their land into a land trust. So we're actually kind of looking into seeing what might take part in that. Um, one other thing was just the fact um, that the governments are opening up uh, so much uh, protected land like the Oak Ridges Moraine and that is kind of mind-boggling that they're doing that when it's protected for a reason. <laughs> um, and also that uh, farmers, um, I can't remember what bill it was now, like Bill 97, I think it was, where um, you could build three additional lot or, uh, houses on your farmland. Um, again, that, that um, doesn't sit well with us. Not that we're going to do it on our properties, but it would be terrible to see something like that in the in the neighborhood that out here because we have a lot of farms out here and if each farm started building three houses on it, it would be um, not not to what we're looking for to be in the country. That's for sure. Um, well, for me, I, I I'm not. I kind of was a little bit disgruntled with it because I don't agree with uh, with building of houses in the farm. Like I think the farm the farmland should be left as farmland, and the there's other places where they can build and the Oak Ridge Moraine should be left alone. Um, so it's, it's just, um, miss, miss feelings with it. Like, I just don't know. I don't know that I am on board with the building of extra houses and, and it, it, the problem that I see happening too, is that if you have houses built on farmland beside where you have animals, those individuals that are living on those houses will then complain because they'll say, oh, now it smells bad because you've got cattle beside my house. And then it creates issues. And then what was going to happen to that farm then? Is it going to be shut down because now you have residentials mixing with a farm? Uh, so I see that as a problem. Mike, are the various levels of government doing enough to protect prime agricultural lands? Why or why not? Um, I hadn't really looked into it too, too much before because we were protecting our own lands and that's kind of what I was concerned about when we we're doing stuff. But, um, after listening to everybody at that uh, meeting, 
um, it appears that the government is not doing enough uh, to protect the land. So um, that that that's my most um, investigation I've done was through that meeting. But I'm definitely uh, we're definitely going to go to more meetings and find out more about how we can help or um, I don't know petition or whatever it is to to protect the land. Is there anything you'd like to see done locally in Northumberland? Anything in particular that that you, after listening to all of this, you'd like to see them do? I would like to see them follow through and actually represent the farmers. Um, so that if there is, if if we're saying that leave the farmland alone, they should go and represent us and, and state that, leave the farmland alone. Um, I would like to see more of that. I don't think they, they, I think they get involved with the politics and then it kind of gets dropped and they don't really focus on the actual issue, which is the farmland. What does the future hold for Aired Family Farm? Mike, tell us. Well, um, we're presently expanding because we're taking over another farm right now. So um, to us, um, there is expansion with the cattle. Um, and if we can get our cattle up to a, um, a higher number, then we're also looking at expanding our chickens and that. So um, uh, our son is very much involved with this as well. So um, the extra help we can get from him will kind of determine how big we can actually go. And so, yeah, the, the, the future is to expand, but continue um, learning what we're more regenerative uh, ways. And we've actually just been talking about uh, introducing another animal, but before we do that, we I want to go see farms that are already doing it, just so we 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 ourselves aren't overworking ourselves, but we're we're working in a in a proper manner for the animal, and for ourselves. Mike and Ingrid Aird, thank you so much for talking to me today. Thank you very much, Rob. Thank you. That was Mike and Ingrid Aird, owners of the Aird Family Farm. I want to thank my guests this week for talking to me, and I want to thank all the listeners for tuning in today. Please join me again next week when we will talk to the people on the front lines and those behind the scenes who make a difference in your life and Northumberland County. So please tune in. If you would like to listen or share this or any podcast, please check out my website at consider-this.ca. There you will find past podcasts, news, and other information about life and politics in Northumberland County. Or you can go to the radio station's website at northumberland897.ca. I'm Robert Washburn. Thanks for taking time out of your day to listen in. And I hope over the week you will continue to consider this. Thank you for listening to this podcast from Consider This. If you have any comments or would like to suggest a story, please contact me at Consider this Northumberland at gmail.com or you can message me on Facebook at Consider This. If you enjoyed this podcast or are looking for more news and information about Northumberland County, please check out my website at consider-this.ca. That's consider-this.ca. And don't forget to share. And again, thank you for listening and stay tuned for more from Consider This.